started a series. Um, it was motivated by the love of God, and that's where everything stems from, is the love of God. Uh, and the basis for our series now comes out of John chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17. If you were here last week, uh, you know what was going on. And if you weren't, I invite you to get a, uh, uh, Jeremy has it on the podcast, so um, you can tune into it there. What spurred this when I was in Mexico uh, and came back, um, I left a book with Matt years ago that was by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was a great German theologian who was a martyr during the Second World War. And... uh, He made a trip to New York City in the 20s, and he said this. He said, in New York, they preach about everything except the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I shared last week, I think that's a symptom of what is going on today. Um, We preach all around things. We in general, the church in the world, but we need to uh, discern exactly why he came. Why did he come to the earth? And I think that's missed a lot today because, uh, you know, people want to feel good in their lives. And they want to feel good about their circumstances. They want to feel good in church. They want to feel comfortable, which is all part of the society that we live in. But that's not why he came. He didn't come so that we would be comfortable. He didn't come so that we would be a bunch of happy campers, although there is the joy of the Lord which is our strength, but he came to save the world. That's what he came from. And if you want to go to John 3.16 real quick, we'll start there. And then we're going to be going through a lot of scriptures today, so bear with me, but this is very important. Last week, we preached the cross. How many of you was here last week and heard the preaching of the cross? That's the important thing, why he came. John 3.16 says this, and you all know it. For God so loved the world. His motivation is love. God's motivated by love. The world is not motivated by love. It's motivated by evil because it's darkness. It's spiritual darkness and wickedness in high places. Satan comes to bring death. Jesus came to cancel out the death that was pronounced on all of our lives and to bring life. So if you're in Jesus Christ today, you have life. Say, I have life. life. Wow. I'm going to read that out of the King James because the impact in the King James is, uh, we're going to be skipping back and forth, but you all know this scripture, but I I want us to really, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Love is a giving thing. As I shared last week, a friend of mine said, it costs to love somebody. Think about that for a minute. We live in a world that talks a lot about love, but love, they don't understand the love of God because uh, the love that the world shares is is not motivated by giving. It's just a byword. But no greater love has no man than the love that he exhibited to us by coming and dying on the cross. Now that is love. God so loved you and me that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever, whosoever believes in him should not perish. We talked last week about everybody has a shelf life. Food has a shelf life. You look on the label and you won't, you won't buy it once it gets past a certain time or a certain thing because you're concerned about the danger that it might bring if a can's swollen up. Or Darlene's big on dented cans. She tells me, never buy a dented can. I don't know why, but that's what she says. But we all have a shelf life also. Every one of us have a shelf life, and it's called the day that we take our last breath and we stand before a mighty God, either to be judged because of our sin or to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. Amen? How many of you are looking forward to that great and glorious day when we'll be welcomed into the kingdom of God? When I accepted Jesus Christ, judgment went out of my life and mercy poured in. Anybody with me today? Mercy takes the place of judgment. I'm not going to get very far. Can't preach last week again, but I can. But whosoever believes in him will not perish. Your shelf life expires when you take that last breath. And that's why, like when you go to the grocery and you want the most up-to-date thing, we need to update our relationship with the mighty God today. It needs to be, we need to be believers of what the gospel says. The cross, that's why he came. Should not perish, but they'll have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why he came, folks. Nothing else beyond that. Some people, as you read in the gospels, they were greatly blessed. Other people had to give their lives for the gospel. But he came to give us life because we had no hope without him. 2,000 years later, after this is written, we have hope today. We have a lasting hope. What what has kept the the flame of hope burning for 2,000 years? The Holy Spirit, which is in the earth today, and a discernment of why he came. It wasn't just a club because they didn't have a whole lot of good times, the disciples and those that were scattered into all the nations. It wasn't about that. But what has kept it alive through all these ages is the knowledge that people have downloaded in their heart once they came face to face with a mighty God and they realized this is what I need to sustain. And they've sustained it through the centuries, through persecution, through inquisitions, through everything that has come against it, everything that Satan has thrown against the Word of God. The Word of God still stands. So last week we preached about the cross. And this week we're going to talk about sin. Oops. Not in a condemning way, but in a way that proves again this second week of what he really did for us and why he came. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to read about it. Matthew 1.21. Thank you, Olivia. Matthew 1, 21. I want to share a little bit out of Malachi at the end, but get Matthew, Matthew 1, 21 first. Now we have to put ourselves in the position of those that uh, were waiting for something. 
What kept the Jewish nation alive, even after they were scattered and conquered so many times, was the hope of Messiah coming. Messiah has come, and we experience the blessings of Messiah in the New Testament. But the Jewish people were waiting for 400 years for some of the promises to come that God had said this would take place. Well, go to Malachi chapter 4. You all know what's there. But we'll just touch on it for a second here. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, for behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven. Peter mentions this in the first epistle, in the second epistle of Peter, how the earth is going to be consumed with a mighty fire. It's going to burn up everything that's not godly. So it shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And and the day that cometh shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But, verse 2, but unto you that fear my name. Get this now. This is not just something we're reading This is the last time that God spoke to his people for 400 and some years. So they were anticipating what was going to happen. You know, we need to to come to church. We need to get up daily. We need to have anticipation of the things that God has told us are going to take place. I'm looking forward to the blessed hope that he's going to return one day. That's what keeps us running through tribulations and trials. The word says in it. In this world, you'll have problems, you'll have tribulation. But he said, I've overcome the world. That's the flame that keeps burning, that continues to draw us like a moth to the candle. But unto you that fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. What's the greatest thing we need to be healed of? Not physical things, but we need to be healed of sin. That's the biggest threat to our existence is not what's wrong with my body because it's a temporal body. It's going to go away. But I've got an eternal hope that will never fade and it's called my soul. And the greatest healing I can have, although I appreciate physical healing, the greatest healing is healing from my tendency to sin which corrupts me and corrupts the world. The world is full of sin right now, and there is a, pay, there is a price to pay for sin. Don't be fooled. Bonhoeffer said, they don't preach the cross, they don't preach sin. We got to know what we're being saved from. We got to know what we're being saved from. It's just not good enough to say, yeah, I'm saved. Well, listen. Yeah, I'm saved from this, or somebody gives you some money and they stave off something. You got saved for that. You get a chance to draw your breath. But the biggest sin is that he will arise. He's righteousness. What is righteousness? That's the influence of God on our lives that comes in. He said, and he will arise with healing in his wings, and he shall go forth and grow up. And we'll go on well in verse 3, and they shall... And then remember verse 4, remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded, keep the statutes and judgments. And he said, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming in the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
So then they wait. They wait for 400 and some years. God quit speaking. Is he gone? Sometimes in our lives, we think, is God quit speaking? Is he gone? Where did he go? I'm not feeling him like I used to. But God always keeps his promises. And God's always on his timing. And his timing is the right timing. And for someone in here today, it might be your time. And the promises of God are still waiting. Some of you say, I feel like I've been in the desert for 400 years. Well, he'll show up in the desert one day. He promised the children of Israel when they were scattered. He said, this is a dry and thirsty land. But he said, fountains will break forth. Green grass will take place because God gives life. So they're waiting. Some of you might be waiting in your life for certain things to happen. Go to Matthew one twenty one. Well, maybe we better go back. This is what we're being saved from. Verse 20. Thanks, Olivia. I think that's Olivia. Yeah, looks like her. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. See the connections there? God promised a Messiah through a particular order. That's why the genealogy starts in the book of Matthew about who begot who and who begot who and this one begot this one. Because God wants you to know that he's planned this all along. And different names and different uh, lifestyles were included in the same. See, we think that our lifestyles sometimes, our past, disqualifies us. If you look at the genealogy of Jesus, there's some things that went on there that weren't exactly the greatest things that we might look. But God says the most important thing is salvation and forgiveness of sins, not the lineage. We're here today, and our names are different than their names back there. But in a way, when we influence our children and our grandchildren into the ways of God, we're, our name is along with their names. Anybody with me? For that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. In other words, he does otherworldly stuff to save a dying world. Joseph, I mean, remember there are people waiting for something. Joseph is betrothed to Mary. She's betrothed to him, and all of a sudden she comes up pregnant. Well, explain this one, will you? Well, this is God's plan for salvation. What? God's got to do it that way? Why don't he pick other people that are more qualified? Well, I guess the same question exists today. Why don't he pick other people that are more qualified for us to preach the gospel? And to bring forth signs. Because... He takes things that don't show much value to the world and he turns them into something that's fit for the master's use. The way he does that is through forgiveness of sin. I got to get going. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And here's here's what it says. And And she shall bring forth a what? A son. And you shall call him Jesus which means Savior, which means Messiah. This is what you're going to call. See, God's got a plan. 
And he's got a plan for each life in here. Everybody in this room, God staked out a plan for you so that you didn't wander around your whole life, look aimlessly. And he wanted to use you in this book of names that shows that you're continuing with the sacred fire that burns through all these years. And we're still keepers of the flame here. I'm going to get through point one, and that's going to be about it. And you'll call his name Jesus. See, there are steps of disobedience. She could have said, no, we're not going to name him Jesus. That's not a name I like. He said, now, wait a minute. This is conceived of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes God does things in our life where we don't exactly like the taste of it or the things that we have to do. But he says, wait a minute. This is what I want done. This is what I want done. Four, and finally you got to the point. For he shall save his people from what? From their sins. That's why he came. That establishes it right there. The cross is the example, but if you don't understand the cross completely, the mysteries of the cross, he said the reason he came was to save people from their sin. Thank God today, if you have a live relationship, a current relationship with Jesus Christ, that you have been saved from your sins. That's why he came. And I need to keep that ever before me, that he didn't come so I would be handsomer or dress better or do this, and my God... He came to forgive me of my sin. Well, let's go on. We got to the second point. Go to Matthew 6. No, we don't want to go there. Go to Luke 5, 24. Luke 5, 24. getting there faster than I am now. He had healed a, a man here and he told him to rise up and walk. Another instance of waiting. He said, rise up and walk. But look at verse 24. It says, but that you may know, that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. You know why the Pharisees and the religious hated him so much? Because he claimed Godship, and that's, he said, this is exactly who I am. I'm the Son of Man. You know where that Son of Man comes from? It comes in, out of some of those names that we just read, that God mentioned before. He said, I want you to know, and he wants us to know today, that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. When we finally know this, then guilt is not a ruler over us. Because the biggest enemy that we have is ourselves. And then the second biggest enemy is the devil. Because he always is saying, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't get forgiven for this, you didn't. That's a lie from the pit of hell because we all know what the scripture said. So I need to accept myself as someone that is forgiven of my sins. Can we accept ourselves in that way? Because that's what penalizes us all the time because we don't feel like we're worthy of that. But he said, listen, if I can tell you to take up your mat and walk and heal you physically, I'm the one that can say, I will forgive your sin. 
The religious hated that because they said he's making himself equal with God. Well, he is God. He's God. And above him, there's no other. I believe in the Trinity. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Wow. And he said, after he said, I've forgiven sins, he said, I say unto you, rise and take up your couch and go to your house. And it says in verse 26, they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. You know, one of the strangest events that ever took place in this world was me getting saved. Well, we, can, we can plug your name in for mine if you'd like. That was a strange event there. And another thing that happens that's brought out in verse 26 is what happens after a while, after we're religiosized, if that's a word for a while, we forget that our sins are forgiven. Because we take all the other ideas that we have about religion and forgiveness and guilt. Everyone in this room lives under some kind of guilt for something that they've done. And the only remedy for guilt is the balm of Gilead, which he says he is. And an acceptance of no matter how long I'm in this Christian walk, that he still came to forgive me of my sins. And it says they were filled with fear and they were amazed. We need to stay amazed at the things of God in our lives. See, the world is into a point right now where we're dazzled by everything. The things that people can do technology-wise and things like that. I mean, I've got a cell phone for crying out loud. I mean, when I was in Mexico, I knew nothing about any of that stuff. Computers, I got back here and everybody's doing this and doing that and doing this. I've never caught up. I guess it's important. But I remember a day when all we had was the word of mouth where God was glorified through the things that we said. I'm, I'm still amazed by the things of God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Well, let's go on. You got to stay amazed. You got to stay amazed at forgiveness. Go to... Go to John 1.29. Everybody keeping up here. I promise I won't keep you too long today. Hallelujah. John's at the, at the River Jordan baptizing people. Everybody thought John was crazy. John the Baptist. Who was he the cousin of? Anybody know? Oh, how did that happen? I guess God had a plan for that, didn't he? Remember when the angel of the Lord told Mary that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and this will happen? And who else was pregnant at that time? Elizabeth, right? And she was the mother of who? John the Baptist. 
And she was related to Mary. And Mary went to tell her that she was with child. And she said, yep, I already know that. Because the minute I heard your salutation, your greeting, the babe that's in me leapt within me. And I'm telling you, that's Holy Ghost supernatural stuff there. I need to hide a minute here. Think about that. I mean, God things happen before them kids are ever born. And then we bring them into a world. Well, listen, I hear a lot of famous people say, well, I don't want any kids. I don't want to bring them into a world like this. That's all a bunch of baloney. It's humanistic. It's a lie. What they don't want to, if they wanted not to bring a child into this world, then change the world for the better. And the way that it's changed for the better is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world's messed up because people don't want to have kids because they don't want to raise them in this evil world. Well, then you be the goodness in the world. That's a bunch of baloney. It's, it's a cheap way out for people to say, well, wouldn't it be great if the Holy Ghost came on about a thousand of them? Whoops. That's, that's an aside there. Okay, I'm going. John's down there baptizing, warning of the day to come, talking about sin. What was John preaching? Repentance. Repentance, repentance, repentance. Repentance is important because there's no salvation without repentance. You must repent first. Now, we can get in a big theological discussion. Oh, I don't have to repent because, listen, when we see who we are, we won't see, to, we won't see who he is until we see who we are. John, who was part of his family, who was in on God's big plan, just like you are, it says in verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, that a lamb don't mean much to us nowadays because we don't deal in animals and things like that, but it meant specially to them. Because there were people that their whole business and sustenance in life was raising spotless lambs that could be sacrificed as a propitiation for our sins or a payment for our sins. So when you mention lamb there, they had a relationship with the word lamb that we don't have. So when he said, behold, there's the lamb of God, he agreed, listen, he brought everybody under the the sound of the word and said, listen, you all know about lambs. You all know about a, a scapegoat taking away our sins. This is the one right here that's doing it. He said, behold, the lamb of God. And then what's the last part? What's he do? He takes away the sins of the world. Romans 6.23. Excuse my sniffling. Romans 6.23. 
Why do we need sin taken away? Why did we need him to come? Because the wages of sin is death. Without salvation, death. Eternal spiritual separation from God. That's the worst death. We're all going to meet our maker one day. But we all have eternal souls. And God breathed into each one of us the breath of life and made us a living soul, a living being. And what we are going to be judged by is our acceptance of his sacrifice and why he came. He came to take away the sins of the world. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Let me tell you something I've said before. It's harder to go to hell than it is to go to heaven. And I'll tell you why. Because you've got to work at going to hell. The most natural thing is to make a connection with God and live under His blessings and under His open heaven. That's natural. We don't, the world doesn't think that that's natural because they're lost in sin. But we realize that you got to work at going to hell because so many signposts. We live in a great country. How many crosses do you see as you go about your daily business? It's not, as Michael W. Smith said, it's just not a cross of gold that you wear around your neck. It means something. And our culture and our society comes from connecting back over 2,000 years and receiving our law from England and everything that was God-inspired. And there's plenty of opportunities to say, yes, He came. That cross tells me He came for my sins. He said that he's the Lamb of God because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I know people, maybe you were one of these, that would work all week for a paycheck and then go out and waste it on death. Yeah, many of us have. But guess what happened? One day, somebody said, you need Jesus. Well, why do I need Jesus? Because he will forgive his people of their sin. And you might not have listened to it the first time or been impressed by it, but then you'd see those crosses. And you'd hear about a revival, or you'd go to church somewhere, or you'd be moved with compassion like Jesus was for some kid that you could have cared less about or something like that. And then you realize this is what I need because I'm paying to die right now. I'm paying to die. If you're addicted to drugs today, you're paying to die. He said, well, I don't have any alternative. Yes, you do. It's called forgiveness of sin and repentance, and it will remove that curse from your life. Malachi said at the end, when I send the Son of Righteousness, he said he will turn the hearts around, the hearts of the Father to the children, and the children to the Father. We need to quit blaming things on other generations and what has passed down to us, and realize that Matthew chapter 1, where all those names are listed, that's a more important heritage than the heritage of sin that we might have got from our parents. Well, that's a more important heritage. I'll take that 
book of names more than I will the corruptness in my family that I might have inherited because God gave me a way out of that. And then at the end of Malachi, he said, if your heart's not turned, he said, I will send a curse upon the earth because you didn't turn to me. That's what it says. And they waited all those years for that to start happening. But it happened. Don't pay to die. 1 Corinthians 15.3 Verse 1 <laughs> Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, and which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which you were also saved. Remember, we preached on the gospel last week. That's what saved us. If you keep in memory what I preached to you, unless I have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, there's that line again that goes all the way back. Paul knew the scriptures, he was a Pharisee. He knew everything about the Scriptures. But you know what he needed? He needed a spark of the Holy Ghost in his life to illuminate what he was doing wrong. God knocked him off a horse of sin and put him on a throne. He said, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Listen, salvation doesn't come from a preacher. Forgiveness of sin doesn't come from a church. It comes from a heartfelt repentance before God, and then coming into the ark of safety. That's where it comes from. And Paul says, I'm delivering that unto you. And the Holy Spirit delivered. Isn't it funny how the Holy Spirit shows up in all these big occasions in the Bible? How many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit really show up in your life and you start doing things that you don't understand? For which I received how that Christ died for our sins according to the what? According to the Scriptures. God keeps His promises. Don't be, He doesn't want to smite the earth with a curse. But God is, if we're accountable for our words in the face of a mighty God, God is accountable for His words. Who holds Him accountable? Well, Job tried to. Other people in the Scripture tried to hold Him accountable. He's accountable because of his own accountability because he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what gives him authority. He said, I've got all authority to forgive sins. Who gave him that authority? God the Father. Still with me? Galatians 1.4. Next week we're going to preach on forgiveness, which is part of Repentance, which is part of sin. Well, verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Why did he send him? To forgive us of our 
sin. He had to remind the Corinthian church. He had to remind the Roman church. He had to, if you go through the epistles, Paul has in there a reminder of why he came to forgive us of our sins. All through it. It's a great thread. Go to Ephesians 2.5. I'm finishing up here. No, 2.4. But God, who is rich in mercy, remember the difference between mercy and judgment? Judgment is certainly a negative thing to look forward to where mercy although it means we need it it can also be negative if we don't receive it God would rather show us mercy than he would judgment but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins has quickened us together with Christ by grace are ye saved verse 5 says we were dead in sins but God has made us alive, alive through Christ Jesus. Amen? All right. First Peter 2.24. You say, oh, he must be getting done. He's getting to the end of the book. First Peter 2.24. Peter walked with Jesus. He knew all about it. Verse 24, he's talking about Jesus. He said, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we might be dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. The first part that has to take place is to realize that he bore our sins on a tree. And once we realize that, then righteousness can take place and healing can take place. First John 1 John 1.9. Well, let's not go there. That's too much about forgiveness. We'll get there next time. First John 3 5. You guys are getting ahead of me. Well, it's good that you know that. And you shall know that he was manifested. Manifested means coming to light, coming alive. He was manifested to take away our sins. He's the only one that could take away our sins because he's the only one that had no sin. Think about this for a minute. How do I want to put this without being offensive here? Well, one day when I was a young preacher, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, when you have an altar call, have the people examine themselves that they're not praying for somebody to be delivered from something that they're involved in themselves. Makes sense, doesn't it? Because that's an area in our life where we haven't brought it before God and brought it under control. We all have them. So we need to be careful. That's why the Bible says lay hands suddenly on no man. You've got to be careful what you're doing sometimes. You've got to consider who you're praying for. Now, emotion's one thing, but 
getting people's sins taken away is a whole different ballgame. And as charismatic Pentecostals, we're emotional. But we don't need to miss the bottom line in that. The most important thing is that people get saved and realize that He came to forgive them of their sins. So, who could take away the sin of the world? First, He had to be spotless because the lambs in the Old Testament needed to be spotless. They were raised for that. Bethlehem was... And David's, that's why David knew about lambs because he spent his time being with them in the shepherd's field. He knew all about lambs and lions and different kinds of animals. People that made their existence over bringing an unblemished lamb to the, to the altar once a year when the priest made intercession for him and that lamb would be sacrificed. Who else could do it except they wouldn't accept a spotted lamb or a speckled lamb or anything that had any evidence of not being pure. Because that's what they needed to have their sin taken away. So when Jesus came, he was the spotless substitute. Romans said he was a propitiation for our sins, the payment for our sins. He had to be spotless. He had to be sinless in order to bear the sin. Because if he wasn't, there would have been a gap. There would have been an area of existence that wasn't covered. Think about this a minute. There would have been an area of existence in our lives that wasn't covered. That's why he had to be holy and spotless. He couldn't take a sin upon him. Everybody see this? If I'm wrong, God will correct me. But he had to be the perfect sacrifice. See, I'm not God, neither are you. That's why we need a Savior. Did I read 1 John 3, 5? Oh, yes. Last scripture. Revelation 1, 5. Okay, once we realize who He is, what He's done... Then we go to the book of Revelation, which is the final word. This is what God closed it out with, referring to Jesus. And so you all know what takes place in the book of Revelation. All the saints are gathered and all the good stuff's going on. And and verse 5 says, greeting, well, verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, Grace unto you and peace from Him which is and which was and which is to come. That ties back into that genealogy of Jesus, all those different names. He was, He is, He is to come. I believe that He's the God of the Old Testament. He's the God that purchased my salvation. And He's the God that I look to that is to come yet. Peace. And and from the seven spirits which are before His throne. And greetings... From Christ Jesus. Think about this for a minute. In other words, He don't forget you once you get saved. He remembers who you are. Genesis chapter 8 verse 1 says, God remembered Noah. You say, God's got a bad memory? No, He don't got a bad memory. But He was judging the world at that time. And He extended mercy to Noah's family. And after all the destruction, He sent out a dove. Boy, I could just go off on another 
another one here, but he sent out a raven and he sent out a dove and the dove came back with a branch in his mouth and he said, yeah, there's life, there's life to be had. And he said, God remembered Noah. He remembers you today. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and did what? Washed away, washed us from our sins in his own blood. Hallelujah. Next week is forgiveness. Next time. We've preached the cross. We've preached forgiveness of sins. That's our response. With every one of these messages, there's going to be a response that's expected of us. Our response to the cross, our response to how we view ourselves in the light of forgiveness of sin. We need guilt removed from our life. And then we're going to go into forgiveness and realizing what the cross and forgiveness of sin did then we can move into how to forgive one another and how to live in the full blessing of God.